Good evening. Today is February 28, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter slash step is more about alcoholism, step one, and our speaker tonight is Elizabeth B. Thank you, Elizabeth. Hello, my name is Elizabeth and I am a compulsive overeater and a food addict and very uh, privileged and grateful to be here this uh, evening. Um, I always start my shares with a couple of disclaimers. If you've heard me share before, um, you can you know, zone out for now, come back in in a couple minutes when I finish. Um, the first one is to take what you like and leave the rest. Um, please listen for the similarities and not the differences. The second one is that if you get a resentment during this meeting based upon something that I say, makes you want to like, feels like nails scratching on a chalkboard, um, I ask that you please write about it and don't eat no matter what, especially in reaction to a resentment, anything that I might say. After writing and not eating about it, uh, I ask that you please discuss it with your sponsor. If you don't have a sponsor, I suggest you get one before the end of the month, which incidentally would be this evening. Um, and then most of all, please keep coming back no matter what. Uh, even if you were brushing the crumbs off of your chest before you dialed into this meeting, if you're eating during this meeting, I've done that before, guys. Um, if you, you know, after the meeting, pick up the crumbs that you dusted off and eat them again, um, please, please keep coming back because I found for myself that the miracles happen inside this room and inside this fellowship. So disclaimers are over. Let's get to the fun stuff. Um, I would say, particularly given the theme of this meeting, that the disclaimers I mentioned also kind of relate to how I approach the big book. Right. Um, this uh, I try to listen for the similarities and not the differences. Um, if I get a resentment about something that I read, some kind of old timey language, some kind of something I think might be chauvinistic, uh, I need to you know write about it and then talk to my sponsor about it. Right. Not eat at the book, <laughs> because believe me, when I you know was active in my disease, I was eating at people, places, things, and situations. I no longer have to do that today. Um, I did make a couple of notes because I was asked to kind of focus my share on a particular chapter of the big book. So um, you might hear some paper rustling and see me looking down. That's uh, not me checking my text messages. It's me trying to make sure that I stay focused and, and do the service I was asked to do. Um, so I'm going to start by quoting the book. I, I grew up in this program with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, with the uh, 12 steps of AA, um, the 12 and 12. And then at the time when I first came in, we only had the OA 12. <laughs> Later on, OA got more literature. It got the 12 and 12. It got a couple of other books. So um, the AA big book is very near and dear to my heart. Um, so more about alcoholism. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. I'm going to read it as written because it's too confusing for me to uh, try to convert. So hear it as you need to. So um, that's me, 
right? The word control is used almost a dozen times in this chapter, particularly in the first couple of pages. And that what I, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to control um, my, my eating, trying to control my weight. It also talks about um, being able to uh, control and enjoy, right? We couldn't, we couldn't, if we were controlling it, we couldn't enjoy it. If we were enjoying it, we couldn't control it. Right, that's that's some some of the unofficial slogans that I heard when I first came in. So, um, for me, you know, once a compulsive overeater, always a compulsive overeater. There's no um, turning the pickle back into a cucumber. I don't know if we can mention food here too, but you know, once I become a pickle, there's no going back. Right. So I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm never going to be cured of this, but there is a program through which I can arrest my illness. And that's the program as outlined in this 12 step um, recovery program in this book. So um, when I take people through the steps, I take them first through the AA big book, then I take them through the AA 12 and 12, then I take them through the OA 12 and 12, and then we go through the OA workbook. And that's all for each step, right? So I, I, I'm a real big fan of the literature. And in this particular instance, what I ask folks to do is to look at this, the paragraph on page 31 and to convert that to the things that they've tried. So I'm gonna read it in the original, and then I'm gonna read what I've written out, which is a writing exercise I asked my sponsees to do, right? This has to do with all the things, all the things we've tried. Heaven knows we've tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Here are some of the methods we've tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list ad infinitum. So here are some of the things that I tried doing through all the years before I came into program. And quite frankly, some of them I've even tried since I've been in program. Um, let's see, here are some of the methods I have tried. Drinking sugar-free items only. Limiting the number of calories, desserts, and snacks. Never eating dessert alone. No carbs in the morning. Binging only at home. Never bringing sweets in the house. No carbs or sweets during business hours. Desserts only at parties. Switching from refined sugars to natural sugars. Eating only natural sweeteners. Um, eating whole grains only, not applying for a job or a promotion until I've lost weight, taking a trip after I've lost the weight, not taking a trip until I've lost the weight, swearing off forever with or without a solemn oath, giving it up for Lent, for all of you who know what that means, taking more physical exercise, uh, sweating to the oldies, um, 
the thigh master, uh, the step master. Um, I even once went to a center where they put me in these moon boots and hooked me up to a machine and jiggled me to try to get my cellulite to come off. Yeah. Um, let's see, reading more inspirational books, going to health farms and a sweat lodge. So those of you who know me know that I lived overseas for a while. I lived in France in the early 2000s. I went to a sweat lodge in France with an elder of the Native American tribe called Michel Bisson Noir, Michael the Black Elk. Seriously, a sweat lodge in France. How many Native Americans live in France? Figure it out. Um, accepting voluntary commitment to a food um, program. I almost decided to go to um, a uh, weight loss center for a couple of months, an, an, an inpatient program. So those are just some of the things that I've tried to control my food and the eating and to try to manipulate the circumstances so that I could just try to have, you know, I could just somehow, someday <laughs> be able to, um, you know, enjoy and control my eating, my food and my body like, an, you know, uh, every you know, non-addicted person. So I realize that some of you don't know me and it would, might be helpful to, to add a little qualification here. Uh, I first came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1993 in the Midwest of this country. At that time, um, we had eight tools. Abstinence was a tool. Um, the food plan was not a tool, but the eating that the folks that the meetings I attended went to talked about eating three meals a day, one at a time with life in between, no flour and sugar was the fifth ingredient or less on anything that you ate. And so I just kind of said, okay. <laughs> so that became um, my food plan in the early days. Um, I have not been abstinent that entire time. Relapse is a part of my story. I've been back now eight years and, and abstinent seven years back-to-back -back continuous abstinence, including evenings, weekends, holidays, and um, any day that ends in a Y. So I, um, I, like I said, came into Overeaters Anonymous at a very young age. The big book uh, was something that I, I grew up on. I also grew up in this program, literally. I was 16 when I first started OA. So uh, I just celebrated my 46th birthday. I have no idea how that happened. So I will try to reach out and see if I can participate in the young people's program because although I'm now middle-aged, I uh, definitely came in as a young person. Um, the thing that I really appreciate about this, let me check my time, about this chapter is also um, the, talks about the insanity that precedes the first bite or the binge or the spree as they like to call it in here. And so what I wanna just point to quickly is the story about, um, let me find it, sorry guys, on page, 35 to 36. Um, this is about 
uh, a friend that we shall call Jim. And this is the uh, gentleman who inherited a lucrative automobile agency. Um, and then later on, through his struggles with alcohol, he became an employee of that uh, automobile agency. And so um, he tells his story on page 36. I came to work on a Tuesday morning. Doesn't work Mondays, or maybe automobile agencies were closed on Mondays back in the 30s. I don't know, but he strolls on in on a Tuesday morning. And uh, he remembers feeling irritated that he was now a salesman for a concern he went stoned, right? He's a worker bee. Uh, he used to be a big shot. So it's that whole, don't you know who I think I am, right? I come because I have an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body. The allergy of the body has been arrested a day at a time by not eating my trigger foods. But I come back because of the obsession of the mind. And here, Jim is talking about the obsession of the mind, right? I used to own this place. Now I'm just working here. So he was irritated, right? He had that low grade level of annoyance going on. And these are the kinds of things that proceed for me of, you know, a first bite or a slip or, or a, a prelapse. So he had a few words with the boss. So that's colloquialism for he mouthed off, right? Um, he was feeling a little punky. He had a couple of opinions he wanted to share. So he gave his boss uh, a couple of opinions. He had a few words with him, but there was nothing serious. Um, and so then he decides to drive to the country and see one of his prospects for a car. So for me, I did most of my overeating by myself, right? I didn't have a whole lot of binge buddies. I was trying to hide and sneak. So if I go and put myself out somewhere alone, right, I go off, I'm angry, I've had a few words, I'm going to go cruise the neighborhood, um, I'm setting myself up for trouble, right? So these are all the kinds of thoughts and actions that are preceding um, Jim's insanity. So uh, he stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar, I had no intention of drinking. I just thought I would get a snack. I had also the notion that I might find a customer for a place for, at this place because I'd been going there for years, right? So these are the lies I tell myself, right? I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to go in. I've been there before. I might find some business while I'm here. You know, no problem. I've done this a million times. So then he decides that he's going to sit down and order, um, I'm going to read it here from the book, uh, even though it's mentioning food, I'm going to order a sandwich and a glass of milk, no thought of drinking, right? So then he ordered another sandwich and had another glass of milk. So he might qualify for our program, probably not. But the fact that he's lingering and he's ordering seconds, he's just kind of whistling in the dark in my opinion, um, waiting to kind of tempt fate. So then suddenly, out of nowhere, on a Tuesday afternoon, after he's bitter and resentful that he's now a worker bee at a place he used to own, after he's had words with his boss, after he's wandered off by himself, after he's told himself lies that he might find a customer by sitting alone at this restaurant slash bar, he suddenly has the idea that it might be a good idea to pop a little bit of whiskey in that milk. Surely it's not going to hurt him. So he does. Um, and then he has another one and another. And um, that was kicking off the journey to the asylum on and on and on. So I love that story because for me, it shows um, how just 
any old mundane day can turn into a way for me to um, make the case that wouldn't it be a good idea if I just had one. And I know for me that, Elizabeth, thank you, that um, I can't have just one. If I could have just one, I wouldn't be at this program. I wouldn't be on this call right now. I wouldn't be coming back after all these years. I wouldn't be, you know, uh, calling my sponsor, taking calls from my sponsee, reading pages 80, you know, six to 89 in the big book every morning. I wouldn't be doing all the things to try to keep the obsession from the mind, you know, at bay and to keep from taking that first bite that triggers the allergy of the body. So for me, um, it's important for me to remember that, you know, I, I get worse, I don't get better, that my disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups, and that, um, you know, I can take any excuse and turn it into um, justification for uh, going on another spree, but um, there is no, there is no justification for, for doing that. So I'm going to close by um, reading the last paragraph of this chapter on page 43. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare, rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. And so for me, the tools help me work the steps. The steps help me find a conscious contact with my higher power, and my higher power keeps me abstinent. And it's this continuous cycle that I have to keep going through. And so I didn't talk a lot about a higher power during this call, but I know for me that um, my higher power doesn't want me to hurt myself today through overeating, undereating, or anything else. And um, I only get a better contact and conception of my higher power by staying close to this program and doing what is suggested. So I'm going to end there. There are a lot of folks on the call. Thank you, Victoria, for asking me to be of service. And I will pass. Thank you so much, Elizabeth B, for your wonderful share. Grateful you could be here and be of service tonight. I don't know why always my format takes so long to load. Yeah, should we done this before? All right. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Looks like Victoria is up first. Go ahead, Victoria. Hi, everybody. Sorry, did I scare people off? Uh, from from wanting to share with my eagerness. <laughs> no, never. I'm not that powerful. Um, but I 
just so wow I'm I it's funny I volunteered to give service by being a seeker getter for this meeting this time around because I was like I don't know I don't think I can commit to like regularly I don't know slut got a lot going on and I was like well that's perfect like I'll do service but then I don't have to be there because there's other and now I'm at every single one because I just can't get enough of everything that's going on and so I love how that's turned around and I think that's what I needed um this was this was so so helpful for me I mean some of you know that I um, recently celebrated three years of abstinence which I just can't even believe like I, I remember the first year, like counting down the days, being like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a year. It's going to be a year, you know? And I remember the second year being like, wow, almost two. And then third year, I like forgot, which is great. I, I mean, that's just crazy. But it also is a, it's a miracle because this disease ruled my every thought. And reading this chapter, reading that paragraph on page 31 of here are some of the methods we tried, it put it right back into perspective for me immediately. So I actually have my own list of this that I forgot about. But one time I did a share and I wrote like, what are some of the ways I tried to control or play God? And I wrote like the food, other people and my own emotions, et cetera. But just for the food, like, sure, we've got like the regular diet stuff, right? And, um, but I've, I've like eaten the same thing every day for a year. I've gone on sugar resets for 14 days. I've hidden food from myself, hoping I forget about it. That never worked. Um, had I would have other people in my family hide the food for me and then yell at them and demand they tell me where it is because I'm not a child and I can eat what I want once I decided I wanted it. Crazy. I would would ask people to put certain foods at the end of the table when we're out to dinner because I was like, if it's further away, I'll have to, like, I'll stop thinking about it. I would put trash in my plate when I wanted to stop eating. I would chew bad foods and then spit it out on my neck. Like, this is a list that I have that I forgot that I had until you read this. I avoided social settings that had food as a major component. I avoided friends who liked going out to eat or to bars. I decided I was only going to hang out with friends if we went on walks or got our nails done. Like this was the amount of the obsession of the mind. It, didn't, it did nothing for me because it was all about me. It was all about me trying to do something that I thought would work. And I'm sure I'm running out of time now. So I'm just going to wrap up by saying, you know, thank you for this important reminder. Thank goodness my life is not in that same mental place where it was. I forget that this is how crazy it was, but when I have that reminder, I mean, this is not, this sounds like a diary entry of somebody else's life, but this was my every waking moment before this program. I'll pass, thanks. Thank you so much, Victoria W. And next up is Louise B. Hi, uh, my name is Louise and I am a compulsive overeater and um, really, really grateful to be here tonight. I'm, I'm sharing now because I don't want to share at all because um, this is my first, uh, well, I think I got to a meeting last week but couldn't get my voice out. Um, it's not my first OA meeting I'm, uh, and I'm very, very grateful to listen to um Elizabeth speak tonight and and to recognize how very very not special I am um uh but I need a bigger higher power um and I've been listening to the podcast for ages I hear so much I'm seeing faces of 
of people who've gifted me with their wisdom already on the podcasts. Um, and I'm terrified that I might be on a podcast because I have this utterly bizarre accent. Anyway, um, I am... I will never be a normal eater. The more meetings I come to, I get to realise just what an incredibly normal compulsive overeater I am. And that means the answers are here and will always be here. And every time, I mean, I've been blessed, I don't know if that's the word, to live in a few continents and not, um, and to, like, get shifted all over the world uh, because of my beloved taller half, but everywhere that I've walked into a room or onto a meeting, I've been home. Um, and I felt that when I got here, even though I'm still shaking quite a bit and probably I really should be a member of on and on and on as well, as well. so I'll, I'll um, stop talking now, but um, I'm very, very grateful you're all here and I'm looking forward to getting to know maybe a few of you uh, this week if I can reach out. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Louise. Babe. Very, very welcome. So glad you're here. Would anyone else like to share? We've got lots of time. Because we don't have any hands up, I am going to put mine up and I would love to ask Elizabeth the question, would you be able to talk a little bit about your higher power journey? Thank you. Sure. Somebody set the timer. Higher power journey. Um, yeah. So um, I grew up in an organized religion um, and it was the one true religion. Thank you very much. Um, and um, I had a lot of opinions about who and what I thought God was. And um, I have let all of those go. <laughs> <laughs> since I've been in recovery. Um, I still use the word God. Uh, it it was like nails on a chalkboard when I first came in. So I wasn't kidding when I said, if you had a resentment or if you uh, have anything in the book that just makes you just want to just like, you know, run screaming with your hair on fire, just to listen for the similarities. So um, my concept of a higher power is uh, an entity greater than myself that I do not understand um, that does not want me to hurt myself full stop. And so I have multiple ways I can hurt myself. Um, food and, you know, body obsession is the first, but there's other things that I've acquired along the way. I'm like a magnet going around, like picking up all this dysfunction. Um, I can read books until three in the morning. Uh, I can shop until, you know, my credit card sends me alert. Like, did you really mean to buy that? Um, there's all these kinds of things that I can do that, that hurt myself, but food is kind of the, the knee jerk. Um, so I came in with the concept of a higher power that I had a divorce. And uh, one of my first sponsors asked me to make what I think we now call a vision board. But back in the day, he said, get a poster board <laughs> from the drugstore and cut out things of what you think you want your higher power to be um, and stick it on your wall. And so you can see it when you wake up in the morning. And so I'm like, okay, I can do that. And so um, my concept of a higher power has changed uh, as I've uh, evolved and gotten a better understanding of of this program i you know for a while it was uh you know a group of dieters right um a group of drunks um that's the expression they use in, in aa um it was uh it was basically i was told there's a power greater than yourself and it's not you because your best thinking got you here so let the you know wisdom and the strength of this collective fellowship be a power that helps guide you. Um, 
don't make it your sponsor because your sponsors are human and they're fallible. So like I said in the last paragraph, no human can keep us from this disease. So um, I, I, I had that error once, so definitely don't make it a person. But um, I have a concept too of like a, a badass chick, you know? So um, there's a particular uh, musician that I grew up with in the 80s who I like a lot. And so I've set aside some of her weirder things, but um, there's some concepts of her that I find very interesting. And um, in my mind, she's a badass chick. So I think to myself, like, how would she handle this situation? How would she show up? How do I want to show up? And then you know, more concretely, if I have some kind of frustration or craziness, there's probably some song on one of her albums in the last 35 years that she's been out producing music that could probably help alter my mood or at least keep me from, um, you know, wanting to take a bite for that three minute song duration. So um, that's time. So yeah, so my higher power, bottom line, doesn't want me to hurt myself today with food or anything else. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. All right, next up, we've got John B. Go ahead. Hi, I'm John Butler, um, compulsive overeater, California. I listened to this meeting on podcast for quite a while, and I decided to check it out in person. I'm really glad that I do. I find myself willing to share when I'm when I'm listening to the podcast. I don't really feel that, so it's kind of interesting experience to be uh, live. Um, when you read the section about um, swearing off alcohol with or without a solemn oath, that was one of my favorite lines in that book because the, the irony of that or the sarcasm of that just really came through. I'll just tell my story. After my first bout with OA, I got a resentment because I, I was abstinent 28 days and they had 30 day chips. And that led me to a resentment and, and that sort of left me out of that. But then um, one day I was very, very seriously doing my New Year's resolution and I prayed on my knees and I said, I want to get recovery but with around food, but I anything but OA. And that was my solemn swearing prayer. And, and within about two weeks, this friend of mine who was an entrepreneur called me up and said they were doing this training. It was for, um, you know, um, right eating, I guess you'd call it. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology, but um he had paid for a ticket and he had one for me. And it was like four or $500 for a one day training with this world-class uh, athlete trainer. Um, and it was very helpful. I don't, I don't mean to minimize that. And I, I did what he said to do, which was mostly engineered food and exercise and all that. Um, and I, I lost uh, probably 30 pounds in a year. And I, I, every day I'd be exercising, I'd be thinking I'd lost 30 pounds of fat. And I'd done one of those uh, submersions um, the beginning of the process. So I knew exactly what my fat content was. I could do the math in my head about how much weight I'd lost or how much fat I lost or how much my lean body mass was. And I was sure that I was gonna be like, you know, an athlete. And so then at the end of the year, I go back in and my uh, lean body mass or my fat content was virtually exactly the same. And I just went ballistic at the guy that was running it. And he said, no, when you lose weight, your legs no longer have to carry around as much muscle uh, weight. So they don't need as much muscle. And so for the first 30 pounds or so that you lose, it's all proportionate. And I had a resentment and I basically quit that program. <laughs> so I'm really glad you joked about the guy having a resentment towards boss because I thought that really brought it home to me. It's like, that's one of my key signals. If I have a resentment, I'm giving myself permission to basically act out pretty quickly. 
and never in my best interest. So thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you so much for sharing, John. Glad you came to join us. Dana, oh, you are up next, go ahead. Hi, I'm Dana O, a um, not yet recovering, kind of recovering um, compulsive overeater. Um, I just came to claim my seat. Um, I just um, spent four days visiting my son in another state, and um, it was quite a challenge as a new um, member to do all the things that keep me um, out of the food. And um, I had amazing support from uh, OA people late at night. Um, I was able to put out the call and I was pretty blown away by how generous and attentive people were. And um, I just wanted to say, I guess being away, I learned was, a, I learned like another whole level of what the fellowship is. Um, it felt like um, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so just wanted to share that and um, thank you for your share, um, Elizabeth, and um, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dana. And next up, we have Leslie. Go ahead, Leslie. Hi, my name is Leslie and I'm a, com a recovered compulsive overeater and so happy to be here. I, um, I'm on the East Coast uh, with a, a grandbaby, so I haven't been here regularly um, like I have been for the last mm, months and months now, almost two years coming up in June. I've been a regular at this particular meeting, so I've really missed you guys. It was so great to see Eileen and Angela and Amy's faces when I got here and everybody else. Melissa, thank you for your service tonight. And um, and Elizabeth, uh, thank you for sharing. And Louise, I'm so happy that you're here with us. So um, outreach means a lot to me and I, I plan to call uh, tomorrow. So um, I am uh, celebrating four years today, um, free from bulimia. And, um, and this is really, I'm saying this, uh, because um, when you mentioned, Elizabeth, all the, the isms, you know, the list, the ad infinitum list of isms, um, and, and trying to control and enjoy it and um, trying to um, uh, not let go of the food, but do anything to hang on to the food, anything. Um, I really related to that. And I appreciate that you um, shared such a rigorous list. It reminded me that I should speak up tonight and not hide out in a very shameful disease, a very shameful part of the disease um, for me. So, uh, it's beautiful to be able to say that in front of all of you and not feel the shame. Um, and you've given me that because I feel safe here and I have not felt judged here. And I believe that I get to be all of me here, um, with all of you as you do with me. So every time someone speaks their truth, it brings me closer to mine. 
and I heard the truth tonight. And uh, I also want to welcome John. Thank you so much, John, for what you shared. And I know there's no crosstalk, but I will say that um, I really appreciated the reminder of how powerful the podcasts are. Um, and I haven't uh, been using the podcast like I did when I first got here to this particular group. Um, and so thank you for that reminder. I, I want to get back involved with the podcast because um, being with this little baby uh, changes my schedule, but I can visit the podcast. So how cool is that? Thank you for letting me share tonight. Thank you, Elizabeth, again, for your share. And, and Amy, Al, I see you and I see so many people I love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Leslie. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or 